Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Brad Davis just began his 16th year as director of the Upper School Band, Jazz Combo, and Music Technology at the Cannon School in Concord, North Carolina. Prior to his position at Cannon, he directed middle school band for five years in Burgaw, North Carolina, and was director of music for the Esparto School District in Esparto, California. He holds a bachelor's degree in music education from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington and a master's in jazz studies from SUNY Purchase. When not in front of a class, Brad enjoys spending time with his family, his wife Francie, and his two kids Charlotte and Hudson. Pre-COVID, he also enjoyed performing with his jazz trio, the BD3, proudly made up of alums from his program. Well, I am very pleased today to welcome Brad Davis uh, to our podcast show. Now, Brad, um, you did an article for us a couple of uh, months ago, I think, right in the height of the pandemic. And Rachel LaRue, our marketing director, was like, you absolutely have to. Uh, interview this this teacher. He's incredible. So you come very highly recommended. You and I have never met in person, but I'm absolutely thrilled that you've uh, you've taken the time out of your school day uh, to speak with us. So thank you, man. It's my great honor to be here for sure. Thanks for having me. Cool. So um, uh, before um, we did the interview, I read a bit about your bio, and it sounds like you've had an amazing uh, kind of journey to get to where you are now. Hmm. I'd love for you to kind of set the table for listeners and trace your career, like right from the beginning when when you first uh, got into music education and where you are now, because you definitely have some cool stuff on that bio. So why don't you why don't yeah. you give us like the five ten minute thumbnail sketch of your uh, your career? For sure. Um... Let's see, high school, uh, I actually had a great music program that I came through in my high school. And really it was there that I was like, maybe I need to look into this music as a career. I got involved, uh, some guys in the marching band got, had a professional band together that was a 13 piece Blues Brothers type band with oh, a full awesome. horn line and everything. And we gigged fairly regularly and so, that especially, yo, you can make money at this? Oh, okay. <laughs> so so that's that's when the choice was made. Um, went to Wilmington for my undergrad degree. Now, did you uh, go to high school in, in, studied, did you go to high school in North Carolina? Yes, uh, uh, in Charlotte. Okay, cool. At East Mecklenburg, yep. All right, um, all right. So uh, went to UNC Wilmington on the coast of North Carolina there for my bachelor's degree. Was a performance major, uh, really emphasizing jazz for sure. And midway through my degree, they started their music ed degree. And, you know, the, the faculty was like, you should really think about this. And so I dove in and uh, got my music ed degree, 
really at the time not thinking that I was going to be a teacher. My performance career was kind of going pretty well. I was getting gigs. Uh, everything was going great on that end. But my girlfriend at the time who would become my wife, uh, suddenly I'm starting to think about future. Mm -hmm. And maybe this money that I'm making as a single guy, which works great in the here and now, maybe I need to start thinking future and that steady paycheck kind of thing and everything. So suddenly I was like, maybe I need to think about this teaching thing. The, the gigs started to dry up a little bit. And that was what made me decide, uh, as I told my parents, to get out of the shallow end and go dive back into the deep end. Mm -hmm. I went to SUNY Purchase in New York. Awesome. Um, to study jazz and got my master's in jazz studies there. I, I knew I was going to want to do jazz studies. I wanted to be near New York and Purchase ended up being a great fit. Uh, it was there that the teaching bug happened. Yep. Uh, the faculty there were all the best jazz musicians in New York. And from time to time, they would go on the road. And word got out that I had my bachelor's in music ed so those guys would come to me and say hey brad i'm going out for two weeks uh take my improv class and we've been doing this and this so just uh jump in and see what you can do and little by little i ended up teaching basically the whole undergrad curriculum and was really surprised and the light bulb went off that oh you're a teacher oh okay mm. and was getting good feedback from the kids and everything and suddenly it was like okay this is what i'm supposed to be doing and and applying my passion for the music and my passion for jazz in particular to be an educator and try and pass this on graduated from suny purchase uh got married and we wanted to have an adventure i guess from the get-go was shopping all over the country for a teaching job. And this job came up in Esparto, California, which is in Northern California, outside of Sacramento, tiny little town. But the thing that got me, they hadn't had music whatsoever, K to 12, for over 12 years. Wow. When, when the Why Johnny Can't Read book came out in like the 80s, or maybe seven yep, years, I can't yep. exactly remember. People were cutting arts left and right because we got to focus on academics. This district had not had any music. They were about to graduate kids who had never had music before. And so me and my idealistic mom was like, I'm going to go there and be the Pied Piper and bring music back to this town. Yep. And so we moved to California and they said, we don't know anything. We've got funding. You're the professional whatever you want to build, just let us know. And I built at the elementary school, a general music class at the middle school. I built a music appreciation and a beginning band and a music appreciation and a beginning band at the high school and taught all of it. Wow. Um, and, and got it up off the ground and it was working. But at the time we were newly married and we started to talk about having kids and it was going to be the first grandkid on both sides. Yep. So mm, doing that on the other side of the country didn't sound like a very good formula. So we packed up and moved back to North Carolina. 
took a gig at Burgaw Middle School in Burgaw, North Carolina, which is right north of Wilmington, where I had lived for years, so it was familiar territory. Middle school band job, uh, was there for five years. Good kids. We made some great music. Um, and then suddenly I got this opportunity to come back home, basically. Right. Uh, I was born and raised in the Charlotte area, and this gig came up at Cannon School, which is an independent school in Concord, North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. And my folks lived right nearby. My sister lived right nearby. And it was an opportunity for us to uh, have our children now go to this school, too. Oh, wow. And, and so I took the job. And day one, uh, I sat down with the kids and said, I've never worked at a private school before. You know, what do you guys want? You know, I work, I literally work for you guys. What do you want? What was the last guy doing that was, what was the last guy not doing that you want from me? And they said, we want to play more jazz. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I found my home. Cool. And 16 years later, here I am. Uh, I've built a strong jazz program here. Uh, we have played numerous jazz festivals in the area, uh, including the Charlotte Jazz Festival, which is a major uh, festival. Absolutely. Um, year after year, uh, we've had members of the Jazz and Lincoln Center Orchestra here on campus uh, working with my kids. And let's see, wow, eight years ago, I think it is now, the faculty, uh, the administration said, we want a non-performance uh, music opportunity for the kids, uh, something that's not going to be on stage. And ideas were tossed around. And I said, what if I taught a class piano class? Perfect. They bought me some pianos. I had a room full of pianos, digital pianos, right. and taught class piano for a couple of years. And it was cool. And the kids were into it, and things were going good. Little by little, I'm making my way into the technology world. Yep. I leave that I leave that piano class, walk out into the hallway one day, and I look around, and I see these kids on their laptops, on their iPads, on their phones, because we're a one-to-one laptop school. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm the, the light went off in my head. Why don't I meet these guys where they live? These guys are digital natives. Why don't I tweak this piano class and turn it into a music technology class? Um, I like uncharted waters. That's always been a thing for me. I like going to new places and the yeah. challenge of that. So tweak this class and get some funding from admin. And they bought me six iPad minis. <laughs> and that was my, that was my tech for my first music tech class. Wow. And we spent a year just building music with GarageBand on those iPad minis and surprising results from uh, the kids. I, po I actually posted a thing on my Facebook just the other day, a uh, project that uh, one of my kids did that was uh, a Radiohead cover and all the instruments. And all this was done on a little iPad mini. About midway through my second year, I got a grant from Ableton for a dozen uh, Ableton push units. Oh, awesome. And, li and, and licensed to Ableton Live. And got that in. It was the beginning of the school year. 
and I told my music tech kids, here's the deal. I got all of this great stuff. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> so I can sit on this and learn, and we can roll this out next year, or we can just dive into this and figure it out together. And the kids were like, yeah, let's do that. And so that, that year, those kids were kind of my guinea pigs, yep. and we really developed what was going to become my music tech program that year using Ableton and uh, the Ableton push uh, units. It was very cool. Ableton, as you probably know, the user interface of it is complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, and more and more with this being an entry-level class, I was like, I got to... And the other thing that really was happening was... I have kids with entry-level Dell laptops. I have kids with MacBook Pros. And their experience with this software was very different. Yep. Depending on what the guts of their laptops were like. So I discovered you guys about that time, uh, Music First. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, cloud-based. Ah, the great equalizer. Right. <laughs> now everybody can have the same experience. And I moved to Music First, moved the class from Ableton into Soundtrap initially, and then expanded out into the full Music First suite. Have been there for a couple of years now, and the class has gone exceptionally well. Uh, I use uh, Bob Haberstadt's oh, great. production to performance uh, curriculum at the beginning of the year really building a foundation with the kids of how to use the tech, making sure, because some of the kids come in with lots of experience. Actually, some are former band kids, string kids that have moved to me. Some of them have no experience. So we've got to establish a language up front so we can all speak the same. So through that, through Bob's curriculum, we get a good foundation, a good tool belt for everybody. And then about mid-year, I take the leash off and let them run. And what they do is they submit proposals to me. They actually tell me the time frame. This is going to take this long, and I have them do benchmarks. By this date, I'm going to have the bass in. By this date, I'm going to have the chords done. And they have to meet those benchmarks. And it's really autonomous, uh, which puts a lot of pressure on the kids. But they eat it up. And my job, I tell them, my job mid-year, I go from being teacher to being consultant. Yep. It, it's on them at that point. And when they hit the wall, I'm there to help. But my job is just to consult, to bounce around the room. How we doing? How's it coming along? And boy, have they come up with some surprising things. It's been a lot of fun, definitely. Well, first thing I got to say, Brad, is that now I know why Rachel <laughs> talking to you because... Uh, we are two peas in a pod. A, a lot of right a lot of similarities, um, a ton actually. First of all, uh, just a couple of things on, based on what you said. I'm a massive Ableton Live fan, and yeah. I think that you know, Soundtrap is an absolutely wonderful kind of basic entry level, uh, you know, DAW. And kids, though, they, you know, once they get the hang of it, they kind of, you know, my thing when I taught with GarageBand, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, is that after a while, the kids look at you and they go, are there any more loops? 
Like, huh. can I, can I, can I make tempo changes? Can I do like um, time signature changes? Hey, I'd like to be able to record my synth into this thing. Can I do that? Hey, are That's there right. any more, like, can I make better beats than these? Like, how do I make my, so is, it's like that kid led learning when with GarageBand, um, that's what I saw that they, they kind of, they love it at first. They absolutely eat it up. And it's very similar with Soundtrap and Soundtrap and Soundation and all the other products that are out there. They're all fabulous, but kids outgrow them eventually. And that's yeah. a good, that's a good thing. And that, and I love oh. the fact that Ableton Live is, is one of those tools. I teach it um, at my gig at uh, Columbia University. And when when teachers first open up that thing, they just go, "What the heck is this?" And totally. then you know, you show them a couple of it. I always, I almost always um, equated to one of those um, books that when you were little, where you'd have like somebody like a, a picture of somebody wearing their underwear, and then like tons of pictures, like slits of clothing that you can make different outfits. That's it. Uh, um, I don't know what those are called, flip books or something like that. And that Ableton's very, very similar where you can load up a bass track with like 10 different samples, a drum track with 10 different samples. And then when you bring in something like a push, um, kids go crazy. So anyway, I, I'm going on and on about, about Ableton, but I totally get it. And the other thing I just wanted to say before we go on is that, um, jazz band was my apps, uh, my two favorite parts of my program. Had I had them exclusively, I would never have left teaching public school teaching. I'll say, sure. uh, was the jazz band gig and the, um, and my music tech program. I had to teach band and orchestra and band really stressed me out big time. <laughs> um, jazz was a lot more fun for the kids and for me. I liked the repertoire. The kids were really into it. Uh, my jazz band was, I, I was really proud of. Um, but that the band lit was like so stressful because kids weren't practicing and my, I kind of had the cream of the crop in the jazz band. So sure. It, it's just great to hear a lot of similarities, um, Brad. And, and, uh, it sounds the like thing, you're doing great things. The thing that I love about, and, and my jazz program is primarily small group combo. And the thing that I really love about that, and it's, and it's, is that in concert band in traditional band, 90% of the answers are on that piece of paper in front of you. Yep. And 10% of the answers maybe are coming from the director. In the jazz band, in the combo, 10% of the answers are on that piece of paper in front of you. And 90% of the answers are within us. Yep. And we have to figure that part out. And that negotiation of agendas, that's, that, that is the art. And I think really kids today in 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 this world and this market we're put we're about to put them out into those lessons are profound yes absolutely i also think that it's no it's no uh coincidence that a jazz person has no problem saying to kids hey do you want to fly without a net and figure this out together whereas yep. most kind of like traditional teachers would be like i'm I'm never going to do that. It's too scary. And I, 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 I want to say this as loud as possible to everyone who's listening. And I, I think you'll agree, Brad, is that it's okay if the kids know more than you, because guess what they do um, when it comes to technology and absolutely learning with them is a profound experience to both for both the kids, because they see that you're learning something new. And I think kids absolutely. really like that. They love it. Yeah. And, and it's also really good for you because it's it's kind of cool to 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 watch a 15 16 17 year old kid who's trying to figure out the world in general 
they they got something on you and they they're like hey this is how this works let me show you what a side chain is let me show you what clip view is let me so show it's cool it you know it's it's a really it's a great experience and when i finally let go of my authoritarian like i'm the i'm the person in front of the class i know everything and said no the kids actually know more than i do uh, at least about technology it was a very very great way to teach Absolutely, man, for sure. And and what you were saying, the the jazz thing, improvisation has it's. I laugh sometimes that it's bled out into other aspects of my life, and certainly other aspects of my teaching. Yeah. And it's it's ended up creating these nice little adventures that have that have bore great fruit for me. So yeah. yeah. It, it, one last little funny story that has nothing to do with anything, but it, you just reminded me of it. Is that when. Uh, Whenever we would have like, we'd get back early for, when I was teaching at the middle school level, we'd get back early and the kids would have 40 minutes and they'd all be in the cafeteria, like in a holding tank at the end of the day with nothing to do. And the teacher would be like, what the heck are we going to do with these kids? And I would literally get up and start telling stories um, to the kids just to keep them entertained. And it's like, they would all look at you like, what is it? And I think there's something very special about music teachers and, and jazz people in, in general. Uh, who have no problem flying without a net and are very comfortable there. Right on, man. Definitely. Cool. So um, shifting the thing a bit, I need to figure out, you know, obviously, I don't know how COVID is in North Carolina. I actually hate saying the word at this point because it's just been so long. But how, what kind of impact did it have on your program? And and what does your program look like right now? Sure. Uh, We, after the initial lockdown, um, uh, we locked down not last year but the year before for basically the whole spring semester and were exclusively virtual and everybody was flying by the seat of their pants you want to talk about improvisation (laughs) Uh, we all had to try and figure out okay what are we going to do with this and what i ended up what i ended up coming up with and and the interview that i did with rachel i talked about this is going to be the year of the studio musician Mm-hmm. and talk to my kids about the idea of a studio musician where you're in that booth and it's you and that music and that microphone and it and you're not surrounded by this huge ensemble but you got to play your part and and trust that it's going to fit and so we moved from you know because we couldn't be together right soundtrap was our home mm-hmm. and i would load up uh, the professional recordings of the pieces that we were playing on Soundtrap, and the kids would just go in and create their tracks. And we we had to learn how to do a, you know, a clap sync, uh, so yep. that so that I could line <laughs> everything up. I did videos of me conducting, and sent that to them so that they could have that on their screen for those of the, for those who needed a conductor. They could have me there. Yep. I did a I did a track, uh, a vocal track underneath the music of me talking them through. So if there was a crescendo or letting you know letter A, okay trumpets here we go, okay everybody back off. So they would have me in their ear, along right, with right, the right. music while while it, while they're recording their part as if we were actually in rehearsal together. Oh, that's cool. So you had like a guide track that you recorded. Yep. That's and and cool. through that we were able to create product um and still kind of keep the band together which was super cool 
flash to the next fall and we were 50% on campus. And so with that, I have half my band in the room. I have half the band at home on Zoom. Oh, man. <laughs> what I would do is, again, play the professional recording through speakers in the band room so that those guys could play along. And the holes in the music, because you know all the French horns are at home, right, that right. kind of thing, everybody can hear all the parts. And that's, that audio was going through Zoom to the people at home so they could play along. And so we kind of could rehearse together. Now, the people on Zoom, I couldn't actually hear them, right. but, th but there they were, and on my smart board was all of their little squares, so we could kind of sort of all be together. And little by little, we still, it was the year of the studio musician, we made it happen, and we recorded stuff into Soundtrap, and it worked. Uh, we were able to get everybody on campus uh, spring of last year, finally. Right. And that was everything, getting everybody back on campus. Social distance, masks, all of that. Uh, and we basically would just take masks off as soon as you're going to play. And as soon as you're done playing, mask back on. Uh, and we were able to actually have an outdoor concert last spring oh, that's the first great. time first time we had played together as a band in over a year and a half uh which was amazing now flash forward to this year yep our num our numbers definitely took a hit as i think almost everybody across the country because ensembles last year were a drag yep uh, trying to do this virtual thing. It just is what it is. I mean, nobody, you know, it's, it was nothing we were doing wrong. It's just how it went down. And so our numbers took a hit. So this year, we're small in numbers. And what I'm doing is I've told the kids, rather than focus on just a fall concert and a spring concert and live performance, I want to rewire us to focus in on recording really great audio. And what we can do then, because I only have one clarinet, well, cool, you can record the first clarinet part oh, and, right. and the second clarinet part and the third clarinet part. And saxophones, you guys, and actually you could do one or two or three first clarinets and multi-track it, and our little small band can sound like a, as big a band as we want it to. Right. And so that's what we're going to do this year is recording lots of audio. Plus, we don't have to wait for that concert. If we've got a piece that we've got put together, then let's record it and put it out on our on our school website, you know, release it to the public so our right. parents and all can check it out. And that's we're still we're going to perform this year for sure. Right. Uh, but that audio thing is really going to be our focus. And would you have, and this is pure logistics, but would you be playing that audio during the concert with the kids playing on top of it? 
Now that's going to be the interesting. Part. Exactly. <laughs> that that's, that's really fine be... without a net. You know, this, the kids like, if they don't have click tracks in their ears, that's a lot no, of fun. No, I hear you. That's going to be the interesting part because because by that point, the parents will have heard these recordings of us sounding huge. Right. The live is going to be decidedly smaller. Right. And part of me is actually okay with that. Yep. That that this is who we actually are, and through this technology, we were able to turn our you know take make take our lemons and make some pretty tasty lemonade <laughs> that's right i mean well, there you go yeah i mean you you you've definitely got the right attitude because you're right every single music program in the country i think would would agree that they've taken a hit because in sure. the way i look at it it's like that lost generation of beginners um who you know this that'll be you're gonna feel it at least here uh, on the east coast where we tend to start band in fourth grade or fifth grade sixth grade something like that you're going to feel the, yep. the ripples of this for the next five six years where that there'll be that group of kids that aren't there and and you know your senior year eight years from now ain't going to be a lot of people graduating from from the band and orchestra and choir and jazz band program sure. because they're just and i totally sympathize with the kids that's not fun to learn an instrument over a over a you know video square it's really absolutely. hard to do absolutely but, but i like i like the idea of saying well i'm going to rebuild then you know for i i in my graduate courses that i teach i have a, a woman that's been teaching 25 plus years and she said my program was decimated and i i spent my whole career getting it to where it was and then this pandemic destroyed it and I, and i but she said but i'm going to get up and rebuild it again it's that that's kind right. of you know, I if, if for those teachers who are of a certain age, right? So I, I'm in my 50s, and uh, um, you know, it's that kind of I need that little challenge towards the end of my career, uh, yeah, teaching man, to like reinvigorate it. I know it sounds weird, but it's like I like that. Like, all right, well, you know, I was not that you were ever riding on autopilot, but you know, that feeling of like I got my program in a fine tuned machine and then somebody broke it. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I, I think I urge every music teacher to look at the positive side and go, all right, well, this is kind of cool. I'm going to spend the, 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 the remainder of my career building my program back. Well, this is the uncharted waters again for exactly. me is, is okay. This has happened. So what are we going to do? Right. Exactly. Now I'm going to, I'm going to turn the question to the technology and you mentioned yes. something earlier that I thought was brilliant and I, I'd like to bring it up again. And that is that you went out into a hallway during a piano, you know, group piano class and you see all these kids on their computers. Right. Was that the main, I mean, if it, it, to me, that's like the perfect way to go, you know, light bulb, maybe I should bring this stuff into the classroom. Was that, that was the main reason you, you decided to get a technology. I and mean, even though your first technology lab would, iPad minis is beyond challenging, I'm sure. But, but <laughs> sure. was that the was that the impetus that said, you know what, maybe I should bring this inside? I mean, I had been using tech myself with with classes. Uh, uh, I had Sibelius. Mm -hmm. I had Band in a Box creating yep. rhythm section tracks for my jazz people and stuff. But bringing technology really into the classroom, yeah, that was the moment. Big light bulb of and and it's so cliche to say you know meet them where they are right but but man that's it you know if I, you know, if i'm going to take these guys into a place they haven't been let's do it from a place of comfort right and tech, and tech is definitely a place of comfort for them 
Yeah, and what you know, I, when I taught middle school general music, and I've said this in other episodes, you know, if you would have asked me in undergrad, what's the worst possible job you can do as a music teacher, I would have said without thinking, middle school general music. That's it. Huh. Said, that's the worst, and it turned out to be my absolute favorite part of my gig, by right. far. And and I'll I'll never forget. Um, that look on the kids' faces that first time, and it doesn't really matter what the software is, yeah. but the first time I would show my sixth graders GarageBand and say, look, you can make music here, and I'd give them like five minutes of like, just play, mm-hmm. they would all turn around. It, in, invariably, every one of them would turn around at some point and look at me with, with a look in their eyes that just said, thank you. Man, because, absolutely. Right? They just are like, this is this is cool. And mm-hmm. and, and you know what? I, I was like, well, why would I fight it with like, no, you need to do this, you know, uh, uh, hand out, you know, fill out this form on uh, Bach and, and answer all these. Yes, that's cool. And it's necessary. And we need to learn about, you know, various periods of history. But the minute I'd say like, all right, go and make a Bach invention in in Sibelius or in, you know, Note Flight or in GarageBand, they were just like, this is so cool. They didn't care what they were learning. They just kind of like the software aspect of it. Sure. It just made it a lot easier for me. I was just wondering if you had similar experiences. No, sure. Actually, um, I'm not sure if it was on one of your podcasts, but uh, 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 I forget who it was, was talking about the Prime Directive and Star Trek, right? Yep. And the idea of the prime directive of non-interference and applying that into the music room. This is what I love about teaching music tech. I, mm-hmm. I mean, rather than, hey kids, do this exactly like this, you know, and then you end up sounding like me. Yep. That's not what I want. Yep. Arm them with a, a really robust tool belt and then take off the leash and let them go. Yep. And that's where the fun is. And that's where those lit up faces you're talking about, that's where that happens. And that's where the surprises happen. Uh, some of the some of the best projects my kids have made, uh, I didn't really have anything to do with, quite yep. frankly, other yep. than giving them that fertile soil to grow in. Yep. That's no, great. Definitely. I love it, love it, love it. Um, so. Um, I just want to make sure that everyone knows, like understand what is your day to day teaching like. What's your schedule? What do you? What do you? What are you? Sure. What are your responsibilities? Sure, uh, I teach the the upper school, the high school kids in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's on a rotating schedule. So two classes per morning for an uh, hour and a half, and so it'll either be upper school band, jazz combo, or music tech. Uh, rotation of three classes there. Okay. And then in the afternoon, I, at, just like you had said, I'm teaching general music in the middle school. Oh, and, right. and, and that was handed to me last year. Uh, yeah, was the first year that I did it. And they were like, it's general music, whatever you want to do. And I said, well, I want to do a middle school version of my general of my music tech class. They right. said, absolutely. Perfect. And, and so that's what I've been doing. So I have a fifth grade and a sixth grade uh, general music class that I'm doing as well. And it's, and it's all music tech based. And what, what kind of things are those fifth and sixth graders? It was all project based. Yeah. But, um, basically, uh, variation of, of Bob's, uh, uh, yep. curriculum just to kind of give them some foundation. And then it's very project based of man, what do you want to do? 
and they will do cover songs. They, I mean, some of them are really just, you know, coming in and creating beats and that kind right. of thing. And if yep. that's their jam, then great. Uh, but, but some of them will team up and I'll do the bass, you do the chords, you do the drums, and they'll do a collaborative thing. And, and it's all good. No, that's, that's awesome. I think that's really, uh, and just for those, you've mentioned him now twice. So Bob Habersat, who I actually had as a guest last year, mm-hmm. he, for those that are not familiar with him, he has a, um, a company called Shed the Music. It's one of the uh, resources available in the, in the Music First Classroom, but he created an incredible curriculum called Production Through Performance. We, we sell it at Music First, but you can also go check it out, like sample lessons on shedthemusic.com. I love Bob. He does some really cool, quirky, kind of fun things with kids, Absolutely. and his videos are terrific. So Absolutely. I just wanted to give him a, a quick shout out. So I got two more questions for you, Brad. The first one is the advice question, because I think um, a lot of people, even though they had to use technology um, this past 18 months, they were forced to. Um, hearing from somebody who is such a performance kind of focused uh, teacher who then brought in a general music class. Uh-huh. And then an added composition and, and projects like that. What advice would you give to other music teachers who are thinking of doing the same thing? For my really for my performance groups, the big thing that I've thought about in integrating technology is what's going on with these kids when they're at home? Yep. What does their shed look like? How are they practicing? In the early part of my career, I didn't realize, man, these kids don't really know how to practice and have productive practice. Yep. And so the deeper I've gotten into this with the integration of technology, it can be as simple as just having a professional recording for them to play along with at home. But mm-hmm. it can be as complex as, you know, uh, uh, music first, smart music uh, programs like that, that will actually give you that green note, red note here's what you're doing right, here's what you're doing wrong, and give yep. those kids that feedback at home. Now they're they're having a more productive shed. They're bringing new and better cards back to the table, so our rehearsals are stronger. So, I mean, in that respect, can't re- recommend it enough. Yep. Building these kids a stronger shed makes all of our ensembles better. And But the other thing is, man, just don't be afraid. Dive yeah. in. Uh, but I mean, it seems complex initially, but this tech is, you just need to jump in because the water's fine. I love that. And, 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 you know, like, where did you learn it? Is it mostly from the kids or do you go on YouTube? Like, how do you learn this stuff? Really just, I mean, that what I was just saying, jump in. Yep. I just open the software and just mess around and you and you trip over things and go oh that's what that is oh yep. okay you make a yep. little note and little by little you start to figure things out youtube videos definitely um but just exploration yep more than anything will you'll discover everything that you really need to know yeah and, and I, I love the idea of it you know like what's the worst that can happen you you, you totally you, right you know, like you delete something i mean what's really um i mean we've all had those things where where we've lost a file we've done that but don't be afraid of it it's just that you totally. know I, I look at these machines that are you know i'm looking we're recording this podcast on it's just a, it's just a little machine sitting on my desk it's not scary and it, right it's on. one of those 
just give it a shot and see what happens. The worst thing that can happen is you lose your work. Um, right. Anyway. So uh, my last question for you, Brad, and I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in what your answer is, is it's the question I ask everybody. If you could wave a magic wand, uh, what would you have music first or music tech in general do that it can't do now? Sure. Really? I wish that all music tech companies would, would honestly take a deeper dive into jazz education. I think that's an angle that's not being served to mm. the degree that it needs to be. Um, and what's behind that, my view there, I talked to my other fellow band directors in the area, mm -hmm. and they are freaked out that I do jazz as much as we do at Cannon School. Um, but I got to thinking about it. Most music teachers had maybe that semester of jazz pedagogy. Yep. And, th and that's it. If they had that. <laughs> sure, right. So this unknown, this X factor of jazz is a spooky thing. I get that, sure. So if there was a curated curriculum, a, a, a well-stocked toolbox that you could help not just these music teachers, but their students get deeper involved in jazz music, I think it would benefit all of us for sure. Well, you and I should have a chat. I've had, we do have, we commissioned two different jazzers to write stuff for our, uh, our courses. Um, Eric Lawrence uh, did one. He's a great, great friend of mine and uh, he's got a lot of improv, but you're totally right. The only, you know, when I think about things like Jamie Abersole, uh, right. you know, uh, CDs that you'd play along to and band in a box, that's about it. Right. There's not a lot of stuff right. out there. And you, you're 100 percent right. correct completely. And even the curriculum that we've written doesn't necessarily teach teachers how to figure it out. Like I'm a tuba player. Right. And the way I learned jazz is that my tuba teacher was this guy, Don Butterfield, who's probably one of the most well-known jazz tuba players. Um, and he would give me all these like, you know, books on on walking bass lines and how to improvise. And then I did a whole bunch of gigs as a tuba player where you'd show up to like an Italian feast kind of parade that you'd be walking for four or five hours and there was no music. And they'd be yeah. like, you know, somebody would take their two fingers and put them up in the air and start playing. And I'd be like, what the heck? You know, it's that diving in. Oh, and I'd be beautiful. Looking, you know, looking at everybody going, what the heck does that mean? B flat, B flat. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. You know, that kind of. Sure. And it, you know, I think that is a really good suggestion, Brad. Maybe you mm. and I should talk um, yeah, sure. down the road and see what, see what we can do. Cause uh, you're a hundred percent right. Right on, man. Awesome. Well, Brad, it's been a real pleasure uh, to speak with you. Um, I hope uh, other folks uh, got as much out of uh, hearing from you as I did. Uh, we're very, very similar people. Um, and, I, and I wish you all the best in your school year to come. And if I'm in uh, the Charlotte area, I'll be sure to come by and say hello in person. Thank you, brother. Definitely. This has been fun. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.